Broken bottles, broken plates, broken switches, broken gates, broken dishes, broken parts. Streets are filled with broken hearts. Ain't no use jiving, ain't no use joking. Everything is broken. I sometimes wonder if Bob Dylan, when he wrote those words, had at one time studied the Kabbalistic theology of the Ari, Isaac Luria, famous mystic of Sfat. You know, I also often wonder what it must have been like to be Robert Zimmerman, Bob Dylan's sixth grade Hebrew school teacher. Must have been pretty good. His writing is replete with biblical imagery, and this song echoes the Ari's contention that our world was created out of brokenness. Rather than be satisfied with the cold observations or wallow in the desperation of our condition, that this thing that we call God could not both allow existence into being and demand perfection, Luria instead teaches that we human beings, as limited as we are, are filled with holy potential and can, really must, partner with the divine. If we choose to grab hold of this thing called life and achieve a tune amending, then we will make the broken cracks and all beautifully whole. We have to be part, an active part, of that ongoing creation. Standing at the wall, the Kotel, you know which wall, this past summer, the stones cold to the touch, the teens I was touring with and I Despite the orthodox bustle around us, we looked for some quiet connection in this holiest of Jewish places. I tried to squeeze my spirit in between all those handwritten prayers tucked in the cracks, formed between the Herodian stones. But as usual, when I go there, I had mixed emotions. In fact, the last time I had stood in that same spot, it was a year before when I accompanied Anat Hoffman, joining with that modern-day Deborah, willing to go into battle against incredible odds as she leads women at the wall. As head of the Reform Movement's Israel Religious Action Center, which your dues help support, Hoffman has fought in particular for the right of women to pray out loud in their own service at the wall, which is an odd thing in a supposedly free state in the 21st century to have to fight for. But she takes on the battle for freedom of religious expression, for non-Orthodox Jewry, and it is an essential tikkun that she is doing. Yesterday, Haaretz made her her person of the year, which is a pretty cool thing. Well, there we are in that brokenness, that place of brokenness. 
And we stood together with others. We put up with the insults coming ironically from those who believe that they are the spiritual successors of the RE's teachings, but themselves do little to bring tikkun to the greater world. Well, this time I wasn't with a knot. I stood alone in silent contemplation, and I took a little time to consider, well, why do we return to this place? After all, it's essentially a support wall for the mount above, where the second temple once stood. Long ago, that center of Jewish expression was broken by the anger of the Romans as they put down the Jewish revolt. And yet, you know, the Talmud does not attribute the temple's destruction to that vanished empire. No, according to Jewish tradition, they were only God's agents. The stones of the temple really crumbled, the Talmud teaches, because they could not withstand sinat chinam, internecine hatred amongst Jews, as zealotry for a time became ascendant. Beware letting religious zealotry become ascendant. Beware making a vacuum where there are no other religious responses but zealotry or nothingness. That's our challenge. The temple is gone, but the wall remains. And there we were, returning to this broken place, venerating it in a way as we came to pour out our souls. You know, as we prayed next to those large stones, up above the Muslims were in the mosque of Omar because they believed that their Muhammad took a night ride through the skies from the top of the mount. Just a few blocks away, Christians gathered at the Church of the Holy Sepulchre where they believed that their Savior was crucified. Clearly, the industry of Jerusalem is religion. But why should we, liberal Jews, yet come there, engaging the broken in that place? Haven't we moved on? In his great short essay, the Sabbath. Abraham Joshua Heschel, modern Hasidic master, taught us that instead of venerating religious sites, we Jews post-temple build castles in time as we celebrate Shabbat. And yet, return we do, drawn to those stones where nearby one can still see in the archaeological park the cornerstone, where the shofar was blown in temple days, lying crumbled and jagged at the base of the wall, in the same spot where the Romans left it. So why? Why engage the broken? I am sure many of you, or Jews you know, ask the same about religion in general and about the Judaism they grew up with in particular. That which is broken, we who discard so much in our material lives, surely should just finally be abandoned or ignored. Jewish tradition, though, teaches us that it's the spiritually unconscious person who does not acknowledge the cracks in the self 
The soulfully blind who does not seek a path to repair that which is broken. The one who has yet to find wisdom. Who does not know that we must also carry that which has crumbled into self forward. As part of the whole package of who we are. If we hope to find new paths towards meaning in our lives. Consider a story you know well from the Torah. The giving of the Ten Commandments. How do we get the Ten Commandments? Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, our teacher, goes up Mount Sinai. And there God gives him the gift, lock, stock, and barrel completely. He had to do nothing. God inscribed the letters with fire on stone, the tradition says. And Moses receives these values that will liberate our world from the bondage of injustice. But as he descends back into reality, what does he find out? He encounters our ancestors worshiping what? Golden calf. And so what does he do? Shatters the tablets. You know, it's important to note after they make up that when he goes back up to get the second set of tablets, he doesn't get the gift given to him in the same way. This time, God dictates the words. And what does Moses have to do? Carve them into the stone himself. He inscribes with God as a partner as we go forward, making the repair. This must have inspired our friend Luria. That which was made purely by God in the world, at times when it counters the, encounters the limits of reality, it shatters. But then tikkun, repair, does come about when we find the holy within and realize that we can carve that hope anew and be inspired by this partner God to bring about amending. Moses has to carve again, and so do we. By the way, what, what happens with the broken tablets? Do they just discard them, leave them side of the road? No. The Torah tells us that they were still holy. The tablets were put in the ark next to the new ones. The crumbled ones were put next to the new ones. The Israelites, your ancestors, did as we must do. They understood. They carry the broken with the whole self. Acknowledging that all of our experience, all of it makes a part of our wholeness, our holiness. We need to come to understand that to live fully in this world, we do have to carry our own brokenness within us, our shattered hopes and dreams our unfulfilled expectations, guilt for misdeeds, disappointment because of lost love. And these yamim noraim, these high holidays, they're here to teach us that it is out of the broken we can make the whole. The self that we were born with, it reflects a holy perfection. But you know full well Inevitably, our life experience shatters that perfection. But you've been given a gift. These tablets, this Torah, this tradition, 
this spiritual majesty. If we use this Judaism, this hope, this structure, we can recarve the tablets of the self. We can, despite our imperfection, partner with God through prayer, which you need in your lives, through study, through social action, community engagement, and return using this magical tool to become who we were meant to be. Now, I know full well I'm not naive. We can choose not to. We can keep on living with the numbness, not acknowledging our broken pieces and not acknowledging the power of this tradition. But if we don't engage that which is not complete in the self, then I don't think we'll become who we were meant to be, the true miracle of who we can be. You know, interestingly enough, the Zionist pioneers, the young people who helped found the state of Israel, who made those first aliyot, as well as the founders of Reform Judaism, they understood this. In Israel, the return of the young people in that first period and later, it represented a negation of the notion that we should accept our brokenness as a permanent status. Instead, whether secular or traditional, They returned to the land of Israel and understood that their task was to rebuild something bigger, not just the wall nor the temple precinct, but they could in modernity rebuild the heart and soul of the Jewish people. I love the poem by Yehuda Amichai about the tourists in Jerusalem who come to visit the ruins of the temple. And they see a man with a fruit basket And the tour guide tells him to use that man as a marker so they can see where they really came to see the ruin above. And in the poem, the character says, you know what? Redemption will only come if one day their guide tells them, you see that arch from the Roman period? It's not so important. But next to it, left and down a bit, there sits Shmulek who bought some fruit. We are the miracle in our day, he proclaims, not the ruins. So too the founders of this synagogue, who saw in America the opportunity not to disappear or to be humble, but to stand out and present a progressive Judaism proudly, not bogged down by the chains of the European ghetto but ready to shine its light of spiritual wisdom and rationalism in the land of the free and the home of the brave. Well, we who choose to connect to the Jewish community in the 21st century, we can also understand that the larger purpose that we as Reformed Jews have in bringing repair today can't concern only Jewish affairs nor the question of Jewish survival. No, it is much nobler than that. Our role is to take a stand in a world that either rejects religion or embraces the idolatry of extremism and teach and exemplify a Judaism that in nearly all of its progressive expressions embraces a love of holiness in life, a value system that says, 
we can do more to bring blessing to each other. We can do more to end suffering. We can do more to taste the sweetness of creation while respecting our responsibility to live in balance in this world. I became a Reformed rabbi because I believe the world needs this vibrant Reformed Jewish voice. Leon Wissetire, literary editor of the New Republic, put it so well in his commencement address this last year at Brandeis University, which I got to attend because my daughter graduated. He described the void in our culture. For decades now in America, he writes, we have been witnessing a steady and sickening denigration of humanistic understanding and method. We live in a society inebriated by technology and happily, even giddily governed by the values of utility, speed, efficiency, and convenience. The technological mentality that's become the American worldview, well, it instructs us to prefer practical questions over questions of meaning. To ask of things not if they are true or false or good or evil, but how they work. Our reason is no longer the reasons of the philosophers with its belief that the mind in one way or another can penetrate to the very principles of natural life and human life. No, he concludes, philosophy itself has shrunk and generally it too prefers to tinker and to tweak. He could have said tweet. <laughs> Well, I believe that our culture needs to rediscover a sense of purpose. It desperately does need a spiritual connection, while also embracing the power of technology to help us engage the bigger questions of existence. Progressive Judaism and the reform of reform has an essential role to play in that discussion, especially in this city and region that sits on the fulcrum of human creativity, a dynamic center that does embrace our capacity via technology to extend the vision of the human mind and the stretch of the human arm. Is it not here that we should be sharing that Judaism challenges the notion that life is just mechanistic, but instead embraces the holiness and joy and beauty and love that permeates existence if you let yourself feel and experience it? Is it not here that we should be sharing a Judaism that teaches ennobling values, encouraging the individual and community to be better than you thought you could be? A Judaism that sees the holy in each person for all of us are created in God's image, whatever our race, creed, sexual identity. A Judaism that understands that God needs us as partners to heal the brokenness by sharing our bread with the hungry, by pursuing justice and equality, by challenging those who oppress others and those who find meaning only in the mundane, the sensual, the material. 
This world needs our Judaism in the 21st century. It needs us to share that light and that wonder. But of course, to do so, what do we have to do? Our own tikkun, our own personal spiritual repair. Part of which comes from opening yourself up to that spiritual capacity that's inside of each of you. Part of it is by using the tools that we'll offer through prayer and study and meditation. For this experience can inspire you to act in the world to be one who brings about repair. It can help heal you when you are feeling down and depressed. It can allow you to perceive meaning even when all you see is that everything is broken. Yes, gateways to this healing and this renewal, I know, can clearly be found here at Congregation Emmanuel. We, as your new senior rabbis, will encourage you to enter these gates throughout the year, not just at the high holidays, to come explore and connect. We want to see you here on Sukkot, in Simchat Torah, to make prayer a once-a-month experience in Shabbat in your life, to break challah bread together and discuss ideas and study and learn with us. We request your patience, as the president uh, encouraged you. We are committed to a liberal expression of Reformed Judaism, but we're also open to the richness of the Jewish tradition that can inform a religious liberal's life. And so we will experiment with forms here, whether in liturgy or music or teaching and holidays to which you may have been accustomed. So be patient with us. Here we must gather, no matter our background, no matter our status, to carry this Torah together, both Jews and those who love them. For we are indeed grateful to our non-Jewish members for partnering with us in this journey. They carry Torah with us too. Here we'll need to have our children present as well. They are an essential part of the tikkun. And so we must have them feel at home in this vibrant center of Jewish life. And we must give them values, helping them to understand that technology, as great as it is, is not a replacement for engagement. That sports cannot replace Torah. That the struggle to get into the perfect college should not replace the development of the total self. The doors of this institution must be wide open to the sounds of children laughing, to teens seeking serious entry to study, to youth groups that will help train the future leaders, not just of Emmanuel, but of the Jewish people. And here I pray we will continue to be a part of the tikkun, the conversation of repair beyond our gates, working with the general community, whether in the public schools as you've done in the past, or in the city streets standing up for the weak or the oppressed, in the parks and forests around us, making sure we understand our role as caretakers of this earth. God needs us to partner in that way. We will work with Jews from our reform movement, of which we're indeed proud partners, with other streams of Judaism, and with those of other religious traditions. For wider repair will not just come through us, but it comes in coalition. 
I'm proud of the work that we did in Seattle, Washington to help pass an Equal Marriage Rights Act, which we were able to do in partnership with churches, in partnership with other organizations, and we did succeed. So here, let the dome on this building reflect the light of hope and justice for all, and not just cover those inside. Well, my prayer is the same prayer of the people who founded this synagogue 160 years ago, because they believed in a Jewish role in the greater human discussion. They were only a small part of the community of San Francisco, but they built this synagogue and its successors to be a center of living Judaism, a place that no one would miss. And so let us this year keep shining the light of hope on this center, the light of Torah, and renew ourselves as we carry, as we must, as the Holy asks us to do, that which is shattered within us, but then work even better this year, to make the broken whole, the crooked path straight, and the future bright, because a thriving Jewish people is indeed part of the solution. Shana tova umetuka. Happy sweet new year to all of you.